Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be sharing reasons to love Jesus. That's right. There's infinite reasons to love Jesus, and we're going to share the seven that we most connect with. And, you know, I've got to say, it's very clear that Jesus loves us, but this is the reason why we love him. Good to be back in the studio with you guys. Really good topic. I'm sure a lot of people listening have uh, their reasons, but a lot of them can be summed up into what we're talking about today. That's right. You know, a lot of times we talk about some obscure things. You know, we talk about very obscure Bible verses or kind of inner workings of the church or, you know, politics or anything like that. But, you know, this episode, we just want to get really basic and to the point, right? And it's easy to sometimes overlook and all the complexities and all the wrinkles that the church presents to us and all of its thousands of years, the centrality of just loving Jesus and why we love him personally. Yeah, to respond to his love. And, you know, so many of us have our own personal stories or personal testimonies, but these seven reasons to love Jesus, I think, can be universally held. And it's really coming to a communal understanding of who the person of Jesus is and how we could reciprocate that love because he loves us uniquely and in different ways. Yeah. Now, and if you love us, make sure that you go on to CatholicTalkShow.com Come look at all the ways that you can subscribe to us. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the things. If you're watching this video right now, click the like button. That's your way to show us love. And we want you to absolutely get on the top rope, throwing flying elbow onto the subscribe button. If you don't, ding ding. We don't know if you really love us, right? And that's how we can show love back and forth. All right, from the top rope. That's right. And now, who else do we really love? Nacho. We love Nacho Libre, but we love our patrons. Patrons, yes. I almost forgot. You almost did. Yeah, but you cannot forget the patrons. You can't. Because we wouldn't be here without them. We would be out on the streets cold, you know, (laughs) with hats asking for money, doing our stupid jokes on a street corner. Now, with our patrons, we got this nice, kind of actually too warm studio. We can afford to have Because of the lights. Here with us, which, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, thanks, patrons. (laughs) I guess. I guess. (laughs) Thanks a lot for Howard. Thanks for Howard, patrons. But yeah, Uh if you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, you can see all the different ways you can support us, all the tiers. We got really cool things that we can send you away. Coffee cups, hoodies. Hoodies. You know, and we throw some interesting things on there. and Vampire slaying kits. We don't do that anymore. No? No. We got to bring back. All of our patrons killed all the vampires. Oh, perfect. So it's problem solved. So we thank you for your support. So... Seven reasons to love Jesus. Now, again, there's infinite amount of mm-hmm. reasons. There's infinite complexity and infinite simplicity to the Trinity. And I think we're going to focus on seven that are really kind of the core of how people can respond to him and the different ways that they can, I guess, uh, really come to know him. Mm-hmm. And I, the first one I want to talk about is because it's the one that all three of us I am, have experienced very directly. And that's we love Jesus because he's merciful. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking about this yesterday and, and Delacrosse and I probably spent an hour talking about, you know, just confession and how important it is for just us personally, you know, like in, in going to confession, clearing your conscience. And, you know, for me, it's, it stabilizes me, you know, and, and it helps to bring me back to the life of grace, uh, you know, as often as I go. But I think merciful is, is definitely up there for me at, at the very top of my 
my daily devotion to him as merciful Savior. Yeah, I mean, everything we get from him is from his grace and from his mercy. We can't earn our salvation. We only get salvation through his cross and through his sacrifice, which is an act of mercy. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look in scripture, you know, all the times where he's merciful to people who everyone else would not think to be merciful towards, you know, the prostitute, the outcast, the leper, the people who are crucifying him, his enemies, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very distinct thing in all of the religions and all of the history of humankind. I mean, the gods can be pretty cruel. They can be very arbitrary and and capricious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is completely and utterly merciful, and we don't deserve it. You know, we don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve any of the graces. All of it comes through him, and it's out of his mercy that we get it. So that's why it's so important that all of his things is coming out of that merciful love, and all the all our, all everything that we have is because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, showing people mercy is such a it's such a mystery. Like the world we live in is, especially now with social media, just the hyper accusatory cancel, like all that kind of stuff that that you know, is, is so counter. And everybody's so sensitive, like overly sensitive. Yeah. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. You always question me. But I mean, don't you hear like, I mean, most people don't go to confession or, you know, don't think God will forgive them for some serious things that they've done in their life. And we've Mm -hmm. all done serious things that, and, and the, the biggest lie that, that we can, you know, kind of in, impede ourselves from God's mercy is that we don't deserve it or we're unforgivable or he right. won't give it to us. Mm-hmm. And, and father Smith, when we were on uh, our expedition, Estovir expeditions, we're going on one this summer. I hope you guys can join us. Um, you know, he said something that imagine you in your worst and your worst state and in, in your most grievous state, because you've tried to live in a certain way and it's just gotten you nothing and you're just desolate like that point of your life in order for God to pick you up from that, right? And to, to reinstate you and, and give you love and blessings, this mercy that he applies to. It all came from him entering into humanity and, and suffering torture for that reason. You know, right? that's, so, that's, so like, you know, if you don't think God wants to show you mercy, that's what he did in order, like the God could have created any order possible, mm-hmm. right? He's God. He could have created the world in such a way that it didn't require him to endure torture. Mm -hmm. But that very thing that, you know, you're trying to escape and not address God's mercy in your life or, Mm -hmm. you know, feel that you're unworthy of it. That's what he did in order so that you may Mm -hmm. receive it. Yeah. Big shout out, Father Mark, man. I mean, and the, the beautiful thing, I remember, you know, him delivering that and he, he lives, he lives it. Like, He's integrated that in his own life, mm-hmm. and and the mercy of God has has overshadowed him, and and he just speaks with such like a calm charism so, too. He's so awesome. He's a great priest. Oh. Yeah. Now you touched on our second reason to love Jesus, and and that's because Jesus Christ was fully human, mm-hmm. right? He's fully God and fully human, but because he was human, he can relate to us, mm-hmm. and he has entered into our state again. All the gods and all the faiths and all of history, there's nothing like it. It's distinct. And how often do we find ourselves like nobody could relate to my suffering or yeah. nobody could relate to how I feel right now or I'm just so isolated that, you know, but every single time Jesus and his humanity 
reveals through the scriptures and through prayer that he has been there and he is there perfectly present mm -hmm. to you feeling that that way. And I, I agree. Uh, how close I mean, can a God be? Uh, I mean, the desire to be close to his people. I mean, sometimes you'll have gods in other religions like, oh, well, I, I send the rain down for you or, you know, I, I become a bull or whatever. And I come and, you know, Zeus out on your women or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ didn't. <laughs> Zeus out on your you women. know what I mean, man? You know what I mean? by Zeus out on your women? The unapproachable. Uh, the know? unapproachable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the God on the mountain, the mm -hmm. God high in the heavens away from his people. And Christ came born in a manger, helpless, yeah, weak. The whole sense of the incarnation, right? It's, it's And the vulnerability. Yeah. That's right. You know, I think, I think when we look at our society and some of the gravest evils that are done, they're perpetrated on the most vulnerable. That's you right. know, so you look at the, the, the child in the womb, um, you look at children that don't have fathers and and th they become they become prey mm -hmm. you know and so the 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 relationship as a human being to others in their vulnerability like god came to us in our vulnerability and became vulnerable mm -hmm. right to you know subjected himself to all of humanity mm -hmm. you know with a a, a you know a, a teenage mother and a stepfather. And, uh, you know, I mean, that shows a lot of trust that he has too in his human nature mm -hmm. for, you know, us. Yeah. Like know. Jesus coming to the prisoner, to the widow, to the orphan, mm -hmm. to, you know, and he meets human depravity. He meets human sinfulness. He meets human poverty mm -hmm. and, and reaching that vulnerability himself, taking the form of us and you think about him being naked on the cross and no possessions and completely abandoned. This is the God, the creator of the universe. And here he is, naked, suffering, mocked, perfectly, un, like talk about unjust treatment and being unjustly condemned and crucified. Yeah. Like he is there naked on the cross in his humanity. Yeah. That's how far the passionate love of Jesus Christ is willing to go to communicate to any of us when we reach these points of yeah. isolated, condemned, unjustly treated. That is the love of God. And that's how we incarnate ourselves, a true faithful gaze on the person of Jesus Christ. That's where we develop our faith is right there at those points. So these occasions become such fortunate moments for mm -hmm. us to grow in our spiritual journey with Christ and our spiritual community. You know, but in his humanity, you know, he also liked to have a good meal. He also liked a good cup of wine. He liked probably the breezy time of day when it wasn't so hot. Mm -hmm. He loved a good nap. Probably enjoyed the sounds of of the water coming in, like hiking, hiking up a mountain, hiking the trails. Yeah. Like he laughed at jokes. Mm -hmm. He got sad when his friends died. You know, he loved his mom and dad. Right? I mean, he fully, fully experienced what we experience. The humility and the and the I, I don't even know the I don't know if there's a word to describe it that God would do that. Yeah, fully. You know, it's it's and one that's not on here is humility, but I think it's I think it's so associated with his humanity. Yeah, you know, there's always a saying like, "Look, I wouldn't ask you to do something I wouldn't ask to, of myself sure, to do." Sure. Like your kids, like, "Look, I'm not going to ask you to, you know, shovel the driveway if it's not something I would do too." You have to show, and God's not asking us humans to do anything that He wouldn't do Himself. Mm -hmm. It's it's I don't want to say egalitarian, but it's very. Um, 
I, I, I don't have a word for it. Yeah. You know, I, one of our, one of our patrons, our supporter of the show, uh, commander Eric Myers, yeah. you know, he's given, he's coined us all. Where's this coin? It's actually in my, in my okay. room. I, I stole it from the table. We better not, we better not <laughs> not have it next time we see him because yeah. then we own cool. beers. <laughs> that's uh, true. That's true. That's why I always kept it here. But his leadership, we were just talking the other day and he, you know, he's like, I sit there and I, I demand a lot of people that I, I have to command, but at the same time, it's like, I have I have expectations of myself. So anything that I'm asking you for, I I equally have to be beholden to mm-hmm. all of you and and uphold his responsibility and leadership and meet timelines and deadlines that that he holds himself to for the sake of everybody that mm-hmm. that he has leadership. It's a good example. That's justice. It's right. And there, that's, that's, that's love. It's love. Nice it's word. just. It's right. That's you maybe know? the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. It's God is is justice too. Yeah. You know. And, and these are these are things like humility, justice. You know, th- these are all finding their way within these the sevenfold right. approach to saying why we love Jesus. But yeah, I I want justice in my life because I just find injustice everywhere I turn. Well, look at I mean, even the justice of Him coming and saving us is like, you know, we are we're vulnerable to the the powers that have been granted to the angels and the demons, and so like. God knows that yes. we're what we we are going to be beset mm-hmm. with with struggle. We're going to be beset with our own sinfulness and the nature of uh, our own our fallen humanity, fa- our own fallenness, and and in that. And so, you know, obviously we grieve that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we're able to to see that and grieve that. And and in order for us to be, you know, reinstated back in His grace, He's He's provided that to us in the form of the humility that he took all the way to the cross. And that's also merciful too. And they cut the, you know, that, that mercy, that justice, the humanity, again, there's the perfection of all things in God, Mm -hmm. you know, and in the Trinity. And you'll see how all these things really do intertwine. And these are, that's a perfect way to kind of segue into the third. That's right. The third point is how it intertwines in the person of Jesus Christ and his divinity. That's right. So Mm -hmm. our, our third reason for loving Jesus is because he's divine. He is God made man and, and God's nature revealed in the world that gives us such an immense source and fountain of these realities of mercy, of mm-hmm. justice, of humility, and knowing where to go when you're experiencing injustice. Yeah, you know, I can turn to Christ. It, it's not just like a um, a fantasy or like you know something that I'm kind of I'm reaching for. Like you know, no, like I actually have a place to take my injustice. That's why I always talk about the altar. We think of offertory. You know, we bring up our collection, we bring mm-hmm. up the bread, we bring up the wine. But even more so, like God wants us to bring the injustices we're experiencing. God, mm-hmm. God wants us to bring, you know, our pain. Preparing for mass. Yeah, that like th- that, how yeah. are we preparing the altar? What or the are the pain we... of others? Yeah, you know? and that's a great point because you know? when when we're exposed in community to the suffering of our neighbor, and and we we can empathize and really gather in our mind what they're suffering, that's where we need to take it. Yeah. You know. In the Old Testament, God had to reveal himself as a pillar of smoke in the burning bush through the cleft of a rock. Otherwise, you know, in his magnificence and in his divinity, I mean, we, our heads would explode like, you know, like melons, right? And we could not handle it. But Christ is 
divine and human, completely, perfectly in union. And it's, I always think of John 14, um, where Philip goes, Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Because everyone wants to see God. They want to know what God is, because God is so, the concept of a deity of God is so above what a human mind can really mm-hmm. grasp, mm-hmm. right? Big and, shout out to Jonathan Rumi. Like you're reminding me of a, a scene from when he's got the Sons of Thunder with him, and and these people on the streets just like kind of spit on them. Oh, you Jews, blah 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 blah. And and like the Sons of Thunder, we want to call John down. And James. Like, yeah, John, John and James are like, call down, you know, lightning from heaven, like just blast but, them. Yeah, and and it's like this interplay between his divinity and his and his humanity mm. is exactly what you're describing. So yeah, without, Philip, Philip without, says to him, he's like. Master, show us the Father. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long a time and you still do not know me, Mm -hmm, Philip? mm -hmm. Whoever has seen the Father has seen me. I'm sorry. It says whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you want to know what God is like, and all these people, oh, man, I just, I'm a searcher. I'm a seeker. And I've just, I've read the Bhagavad Gita and I've read the Quran and I've studied Hinduism and I've studied Christianity. If you want to see what God is, look at Jesus Christ. Yeah. You've seen the Father. You've seen that. And it's sacramental in nature. And, you know, you hear so many times, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, or I don't want any type of religious affiliation. Well, you know, the, the religion of the Catholic faith is held together by the sacramental structure of the church that Jesus himself shows in his incarnation. Like, he is the visible presence of the Father's love for us. And... In that respect, he offers us sacramental signs, you know, for us to be able to partake and come to see and have contact with God made visible in mm-hmm. our midst. Yeah. And, you know, if if we didn't have the sacraments of the church, you know, that that's how I love the person of Jesus is within his divine order, he has ordered the church in the sacramental manner. And my whole life revolves around that, not only as yeah. a priest, but just as a faithful Catholic. Yeah. And and I look at I look at that as like Jesus revealing to Philip, the Father, Jesus revealing the Father to the apostles and 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 the people that he discipled. But isn't Jesus doing that today in the church? Yeah, I was I was just about to say that that his divinity is also a source of grace, mm-hmm. right? Because you know how many times have it you? It is the source. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's the source of grace. And you know how many times have you you know gone to confession, received holy communion, been so close to God that you do things and you're like, wow, like that was that's not me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. that's really generous. Or you know, or you, well, you, I'm a pretty good guy. I didn't know yeah, I was such a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like that's that's the thing is that he he actually grafts himself onto us. And brings us into this family sacramentally mm-hmm. through baptism, mm-hmm. right? And and by doing so, we're united so closely to Him that He acts literally in us. And so sometimes when I do things, I'm like that. That's God, mm-hmm. you know. Like that's that's Jesus. That's himself. what He says when He's golfing. He's like, "Wow, what a shot! <laughs> what a shot! That was Jesus. That, <laughs> that wasn't was me. That's a Jesus. <laughs> that was a pin shot." <laughs> <laughs> I, I went through just recently, just a. a massive amount of Ryan's a great golfer by the way he (laughs) He really really is he's incredible so you know I I went through this period of desolation and just feeling really really downcast and and just hard on myself just feeling like you know 
man, I, I, you know, I, I try just, I, it's like, I'm, I'm, I want to do more, but I, I just can. And, you know, in that, in that pocket of desolation, I like struggled for maybe like a week and a half and I'm laying in bed and it was just heavy on me, just, you know, like getting beat up in the spirit. And then I, I wake up in the morning and I look at my, I look at my little icon of, of, uh, you know, the, the crown of thorns on Christ's head and, I just feel this like overwhelming amount of grace and like that, that spirit of desolation just like lifted off of my chest. And all I said was, you know, Jesus, you are good. Like, Mm -hmm. God, you are good. And to your point, Delacrosse, it's like, that's not anything I can do. Right. right. Like I'm not going to do something or somebody else. Yeah. Or anybody yeah. else. Like you, you guys could show me compassion. Like we were talking on the phone when you were driving down and it was like, I was telling you about that period of time. And, and, um, there's no power on earth, no amount of friendship or, or compassion that you could experience or, or, you know, a nice walk or a nice sunrise. That's going to like lift that off of your, mm. off of your chest like that. Mm. And, and I think that brings us to the to another point of of why Jesus is so lovable. It's because he's good. That's number four. Yeah, uh, you know, good, truly, and that that word's so good. good. It's cheapened. It's been cheapened. It's cheapened in our language because you know, like when you look at when you look at the Greek transcendentals and and three of the top transcendentals, truth, beauty, and goodness. Mm-hmm. Like goodness is down to like the essence of being. Like his whole his whole being is pure goodness. Right. You know, sometimes in our culture, the word good is like, hey, how was how was how's the you know pizza over there? It's good. Like our producer, he's good. Hey, it's fine. He's good. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I mean, he's Howard, good. I think you're great. I mean, he's not Matt Frad's producer. Frad's <laughs> producer's awesome. He, he's not the producer of, you know, Mike Schmitz. I mean, <laughs> Howard, you are no Mike Schmitz producer, whoever Mike Schmitz producer is. You are no Ascension Press. <laughs> but thank you for the oil pads that you take oil off of my face, Howard. I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> what about this mug over here? Yeah. We'll have to show that to, to them. Some we'll put that on the Patreon. You know what we'll do is we'll start putting on the Patreon the pre-episode degreasing of you two, ah. and then they can try to pick whose grease sheet is whose. That's a great idea. That's a good idea. No a good idea. Good. Good. See, good. and that's how cheap and good has become. <laughs> but Jesus really is good. Uh, it, it, you know, truly is full of benefits. He wants the good for us in the truest and best sense of the word. He wants beautiful nature. He wants the universe to be inexplicably and unimaginably large so that it perfectly works. He wants the molecule to work. He wants mathematics to work. He wants people to love each other. Mm -hmm. He wants people of all different races. He wants union between... He wants beer. He wants baseball. (laughs) He's good. He's given us all the good things. He wants basketball. He does. He wants to matumbo hey, block Jesus, kids. Hey, Jesus, how's that little kid in the red jersey? He's Terrible good. shot. He's good. <laughs> but no, I Not mean, as good as Jesus, If you though. just look at the created universe, and then you look at his actions, they're good. And he wants good things for us. The, the, the God wanted us to be in the Garden of Eden and to be in perfect... Perfect happiness. I think it was. I think it was Benedict the Sixteenth. I remember reading something along the lines of like Jesus, Redeemer of the cosmos. 
you know, like, and, and the action of Jesus's atoning sacrifice sets everything back in return to the father. Like he gives everything back. And, and that order, you know, that, that holy order is this orientation toward goodness itself. His desire for the ut unum sent that we all be one is, is oriented all in this return to the father. And that's what we're in the process of because Jesus has already won the sacrifice of this goodness and this movement of goodness. Yeah. Uh, John six thirty nine. Um, you know, it's the desire of the one who sent me that none, I shall lose none, none. of them that he's given to me. None. I mean, he wants the good for us. And that's so reassuring because how... He doesn't demand worship. He doesn't want sacrifice. He doesn't call you slave. He calls no. you friend. Like, he, he calls you companion. And he walks on the journey of life with us. When you see Jesus hiking through the through the fields of the Galilee and, and along the shore with the apostles, like, Jesus is still journeying with us in the same way. And, you know, these are fallen men. These are ordinary guys. Like, he... Just, just men that, you know make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus joins in that companionship to guide us along the way. You know, how how often do we find ourselves lost and yeah. you know like where am I going? Yeah. You know, Jesus is there. You know, I think maybe the the most practical advice I could I've gotten for theology, trying to understand theology because you guys know I like to really dig into the who what where's and why's, right? And understand all the technical things. But if there's something in theology that you don't get or something, the problem of evil or, you know, what's the true nature of the, the divinity and, and, you know, does the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father and the Son and whatever. If you just go back to God is good, even if you don't have an answer, that is the answer. Whatever that question you're asking, it's because God wants good for you. God does not desire evil for you. He's not the God of the dead. He's the, God is love. And, and, Christ is in, is all goodness, and all goodness just, comes through Him. Yeah, I think a lot of people, including myself, just gets we just get mixed up in what is good. Like we think good is a certain thing, and then God is trying to show us the true goodness that He the wants for us. Yeah. Right. I was thinking again to bring up Estovir when I was on that um, that uh, expedition with all the guys. And how I was kind of lost for a while, and we 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 decided to put this together, and how beautiful it was that I've, I had a purpose in my life, and this was great. It just took a while to to come to fruition, but there was a while where, you know, I was struggling with like, what does he want me to do, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that that came out on that trip where I was like, this is this is great. I feel like he's kind of shown me the way, but it took some time and some suffering. You know, you know? now if we've talked about Estovir. If anybody's interested, what Estovir is, Estovir is a men's pilgrimage out mm-hmm. to Colorado, out to Wyoming. That's happening this June and July. Montana. It, Montana. Montana. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah Montana. Um, where, you know, these guys, I'll be on one of them going out into the wild, you know, really getting some time in fraternity, getting some time in nature, seeing the goodness that God has created, yeah. seeing the good of the world, uh, going hiking, going rafting, going mass. on ATVs, celebrating yeah. mass, hearing confession, eating mm. good food, being with good friends. Meeting people yeah. from all over the country. And there's a female one too in, yeah. in Montana. That's Fiat Expeditions. We'll put links in the yeah. comments there. But yeah, I mean, again, this all the things that we're talking about, stepping away from your life and engaging 
with adventurous things um, and and the camaraderie that comes with that, along with uh, obviously the sacramental worship that we we encounter, good food, uh, and we've made friends for a lifetime. I mean, all of us are we're all still very close to each other. We're all still talking. I just talked to one the other day on the mm-hmm. phone. Yeah. You know, so. it's the good parts of life. Mm-hmm. Delacross, I, I appreciate you sharing that because. Um, you know, vocationally, I, I just, you know, your life has been so directed since your conversion vocationally toward God, like discerning priesthood and then discerning your company and, and, and doing the Catholic marketing and, and then, you know, this show and, and, you know, consecrating your company to Our Lady of Guadalupe and, and then going through that patch. And, and, you know, you've shared so openly on the show in the past about that period of time. And, you know, all of us, have that vocation, you know, like each of us have to tap into that, to that calling because God wants to be active, engaged and, and, and moving in the direction of his kingdom. And that calling is, is within each man. And Jesus shows that perfectly in his manhood. And that leads us to our next, uh, our next qualitative reason why we love Jesus. It's because Jesus is fully man. Like he's manly. Yeah. Now he said he's fully man, human, but he's also manly. Yeah. You know, he's not. Well, he, the, the, he, he typifies not only humanity, but also masculinity. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and masculinity is just hard to come by in our culture, you know, like true representation of masculinity. And in the person of Jesus Christ, you have perfect manifest masculinity. And that's why these guys who are just laborers, a lot of these guys are just, you know, roughneck tax collectors, fishermen, you know, throw, you know, run the mill type of men, who, how are they going to respond? They're, they've got to respond to somebody who shows that lion-like masculinity. Yeah, have Niles from Frazier go down to the docks of Boston and be like, hey, guys, I'd like to start talking to you about religion. They're going to, you know, give him a wedgie and hang him up on the flagpole, right? No one responds to that, right? Oh, gosh. Like, hey, let's have a sherry and talk about religion. They shut up. We're going to go have a Boston lager and we're going to you know, have to work, right? But, you know, he is manly, right? But in the proper sense, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, as men, we can truly love him. And and that's the sense of esto vir, like to be a man. Like that that Latin root, it was a part of a, a household community and fraternity that I, that I belonged to at Ave Maria when I was studying undergrad. It's like looking to the example of the person of Jesus Christ, the fullness of his masculinity is revealed through all these different virtues, and he lives them out perfectly. I don't live them out perfectly. And in my own fallen masculinity, like I need, I need somebody's example and heroism to step up and, and show me the way. Jesus has always been there to do that. Like growing up, I had these examples of masculinity. Most of them were athletes and rappers, you know, like those. Because I'm a rapper athletes like Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great rapper, man. Good athlete. Rapper excellent, athlete. Excellent, He's excellent. a rap fleet. So, <laughs> so, you know, like you turn to these kind of like, you know, these popular uh, showcase men, but it's like. My masculinity calls me to more than that. Mm. Like, I want to be self-sacrificing. You know, I want to be self-denying. I, I want to follow the noble path. I want to, I want to give of my the life. The noble path. Go yeah, ahead. like it, nobility is in that. You know, and and there is no greater example than Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
And 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 what brought men out of their apathy is is Jesus's death on the cross. Like I'm I'm willing to die and lay down my life for you. You know, but he was all he was a man of action, right? But also a man of of thought and words. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I prayer. mean, he, and prayer and. You know, obedience. Yeah, I mean, know. he did all things. So, you know, he was a he was a laborer. He definitely knew how to fish. Mm-hmm. He was a physically vigorous guy, mm-hmm. right? He was when walking he when he hundreds of miles nets. a week, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but then he's also able to talk with the purest of all wisdoms. You know, he can talk with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, but then he can also go and talk to the the locals and talk about parables about wheat and and, and common things, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, he was good to his mother and, and his father, you know, he was good to his friends. Um, I do love that whole sense, like of, of Jesus, the carpenter yeah. and the masculinity of, of St. Joseph and being, yeah. and being raised by his earthly father. And, and in that trade, you know, knowing construction, knowing the, the burdens uh, on the body and so Jordan Peterson, you know, talks about roles of masculinity and femininity, and he's always in these like dialogues between, you know, uh, against feminism and all, you know, yeah. and he's just defending just like the natural order of things. And, you know, he's basically saying like 95% of, of uh, you know, practically 100% of men in the construction field, you know, like it's men, it's not women throwing cinder block and, and you know, roofing and all these different things. And there's something to be said about Jesus's masculinity and being a carpenter and and being a man and and laboring exhaustively with his body mm-hmm. and and having command and and authority within that group of people. Yeah. You know, it, it's impressive to me. But then you look at the other kings, the kings of kings at the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Xerxes was called the king of kings, and you have Caesar, and they all have huge harems of women and they're like, I have any woman that I want. And they have big, you know, they have pictures of them with concubines all or around. Or David them. and Bathsheba even, yeah. or like, you know, Herod or any of all these. All of them. You know, but Jesus wasn't like that. He wasn't, he didn't define his manhood through his, through his lust. He didn't, he didn't have lust. He looked at women as an, as an exalted creation, mm-hmm. as something to be loved and protected, not something to be owned and lusted after. That's manly. Now, that's something in our modern world that is, you know, completely mm-hmm. pornified that that aspect of manliness is completely almost, you know, out of our culture. Mm-hmm. It's noble. Yeah. Like you were saying. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is. It's very and, noble. And growing up in a cultural setting where, you know, like cash money or, you know, like you're seeing the fancy things of life. So it's, the yeah, diamonds, the, the money. Catalina the Catalina wine mixers. The, yeah. <laughs> the Catalina <laughs> wine mixers of the world. Right. You know, and and that is the fullness, right? Like that's that's man fully revealed of 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 his nature. Like no, like there, it's not, it's not. There's got to be something else. And that's what you know. When I look back at my my conversion experience or my reversion experience, like Jesus was ever sh- he was shown to me. Like I thank God for my parents baptizing me and and bringing me up in the practice of the faith. Thank you, mom, for bringing me to church and being a single mom and, and, and doing that and making that a priority because I needed, I needed an example of manhood in my life. And I had my grandfather, but you know, there's nobody on earth that would be more of a mentor than Jesus. And, and his example didn't sink in for me until I realized that every form of cheap masculinity in front of me was not making me happy. I was trying. 
I was doing the same exact things to lesser degree, but it, it just it wasn't it wasn't touching that place inside of me that I I knew there was more. Yeah, you know. I think that's a good time to talk about our other sponsor, Exodus 90. Mm -hmm. uh, Exodus 90 really is, at its heart, getting men back to their proper masculine orientation uh, through asceticism, through prayer, and through fraternity, being with other men, right? It's about getting rid of those things, like you said, you know, your addictions to, punny, to money, pornography, to sloth, to food, towards, you know, whatever it is. It's about simplifying your life reorienting it through ascetic practices and, and self-denial so that you can become closer to God, closer to the man that Christ wants you to be. And it's within that fraternal setting. And I'm just, I'm grateful for that, that find of fraternity option on the, on the app because mm -hmm. it helps men find other men who are searching for that same type of community so that, that, you know, look, we're, we all battle back the same exact things. As men. And iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And and having a set program for 90 days, it just forges those bonds and sharpens you, you know, to the outcome of, of a 90-day experience of asceticism that produces good fruits of renewal. Yeah. Reinvigorates the soul. That's mm -hmm. it. So if you go to Exodus90.com, you could try it out now for free. You can download the app. You can see if it's for you. You can try to find a fraternity that fits for you. And they also have a lot of great daily features. It's not just that. 90-day period or whatever. I mean, there's prayers, uh, programs, all kinds of things. So again, Exodus 90 helps you to become a happier, healthier, holier man. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Now, let's get on to the number six, six which is? Obedience. Jesus took the form of our humanity and entered into obedience, learning through obedience. Christ himself shows us... <laughs> His obedience to the Father, and and that's that's the whole sense of like our relationship with Christ, our relationship with the law. We'll never be able to fulfill the law, but Jesus did, and He's the only one that could do it. You know, that's a good point. I mean, who really could fulfill to the T in to the T in legality, but also in spirit, the law of Moses? Yeah. This is exactly why I appreciate Jesus's interaction with the woman caught in adultery, because here the prescription for, you know, the consequences of her action violating the law is to be stoned. And Jesus, realizing all of this, turns to every single person that is subject to the law of Moses and says, let those who are here who are without sin cast the first stone, who without, like, never violating the law of Moses, you cast the first stone. And he just turns everything upside down, and that in and of itself shows Jesus's mercy, his humanity, his divinity, he his cast goodness. The stone. He's, He's the only, the one, only one, one that could have done it, and but he, he didn't. chose not to. No. So now, now we have in this interaction between sinner and God— we, we have true obedience, and in respect to him fulfilling the law, he doesn't come to this self-righteous, now I'm going to lord this over you and, and enslave you. Like, no, he extends mercy and compassion. Mm -hmm. And that, in response, deserves loyalty and love. And that's why obedience deser is deserving of love. Like, mm -hmm. I love Jesus because he is obedient. But he's, again, it's showing us, and this ties into him being fully man, is it shows us 
Look, if he's going to ask obedience of us, he will enter in and put himself under that same yoke, mm-hmm. right? He will say he was obedient to his to Mary and Joseph. He was obedient to the will of the Father, even in the garden, when he's like, take this cup from me, but not your will, my own, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not my will, yours. Mm-hmm. That's obedience up until to the cross. For, a God, for God, God doesn't—who can God be obedient to besides— Himself, which to me is one of the great proofs of the need and the necessity for the divinity to be triune, because there's so many things that are integral to creation that if it weren't something to be able to have an interaction, they couldn't exist. Mm -hmm. How could there be obedience in perfection if there isn't a triune God where there can be obedience back and forth? Now, but again, you know, going to the cross, obedient. Look, I man, I don't want to go out in the snow because it's, you know, cold, dude. I don't want to, you know, get up early, you know, even though I'm supposed to. I sure, I, oh boy, don't put me to the test, Lord, but I don't know if I can knowingly go to the cross. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't put me to that test. Mm-hmm. And, but he, he shows that learning obedience is through suffering. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And... How many how many marriages are held together because of the vows and remaining obedient to those vows that are stated before Christ in his church? Mm-hmm. You know, how how much of our, you know, our priesthood and our vocations before God is held together through difficulty, through struggle, through challenges, through, you know, hardships and all these different things. It's being held together through obedience. And and it's not like, oh, I'm obedient, so I feel good about what I'm doing. It's like, no, I'm suffering the vow. Well, I'm breaking my own will. I'm 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 going against go. my baser desires. Yeah. I'm going against my, my concupiscence or my, my selfishness. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. And that obedience, obedience is so like the role of the rebel in today's culture is so exalted like yeah man he don't do nothing what anybody tells him and wow he just does whatever his own way and i'm just me and no one can judge me obedience is not that Mm -hmm. obedience is completely antithetical to that and if god can be obedient you know if christ can be obedient what is this you know we have the capacity to to be obedient ourselves and that is something that I think should have way more, I guess, exaltation in our culture than it does. Now it's like, oh, well, you just you go to church because you were told to. So, yeah, you're darn right I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pay my taxes. I love my country. I love my family because that's what you're supposed to do. And you know what? Sometimes what you're supposed to do is a good thing. Everyone always thinks what you're supposed to do is being impressed upon you and you're being forced into it. I don't have to do it. I'm doing it because it is right. It's just. It's good. And that's why obedience is a, a virtue that is so needed in our world and so looked down upon for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. With obedience, you know, held up as we are holding it up right now in the context of relativism and, and individualism, like, you know, this is, you know, my life and, and I'm going to make my decisions with my body and my, you know, mm-hmm. and it's this kind of culture of me, like obedience has the bigger picture of being associated with something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a national obedience to my, why I pay taxes, why I'm proud to be an American and, and how I come from a line of people who fought to defend the freedoms that we enjoy, you know, like, or being a part of 
Catholic priesthood and that fraternity being obedient or the church, to your bishop. being obedient to yeah. my bishop, being obedient, you know, to my mother, you know, and, and, and my parents, like, and, and what that upholds to me, like I, I belong to a larger institution than myself. And whether that's my family, whether that's my country, whether that's my state or my own personal community here that I live in, like there's something larger to belong to. And I, I think right. obedience has a lot to do with it. And that. the last thing I want to say on that is it is it's obedience to your desires is what really what people mean is like, I'm obeying my desire. Those people obey traffic laws. They, they obey moral laws. They don't want to go to prison. So they don't kill people. There's a lot of things that the people that say that, Right. Uh, you know, the instant I'm not into institutional religion, but you're into a lot of other institutional stuff. Let me tell mm-hmm. you, you shop mm-hmm. at Costco, right? right. Like th- there's, it's just, it's just distorted. And so you look at their obedience or the, the lack thereof, it, it really comes from a sense of their own desires and not having anybody tell them what to do. And, and that's where it all comes from. It's just a selfish desire. It's something that they impose upon themselves. I wouldn't even say that's obedience. I would say that's slavery to their own desires. It is. You know, obedience is a free choice. Slavery is obedience without a choice. And they're slaves to their desires. Obedience to your desires leads you to the good, Mm -hmm. right? Obedience to your desires says, I want to do the good. I want to make the right choice. That's what your true desires orient you towards. But your your lackings are your your slaveries. Those are the things that bind you. Mm -hmm. All right, so... Now, before we go, and before we get into the seventh one, um, I just want to, again, say a big shout-out to our patrons. Uh, we really couldn't do this without you. Again, make sure to go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon to find out more. And, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, click the subscribe button. Make sure you're giving us thumbs up. That's we right. love those thumbs up. That's it. And, you know, go to catholictalkshow.com and join our mailing list there. That way, whenever we're about to release a new episode, we'll send you an information on it and you'll be the first to watch it, right? Absolutely. So the last reason on our list of seven reasons to love Jesus is uh, because Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church and gave it to us. I mean, hold on. Everybody knows that, even Siri. Hey, Siri, who founded the Catholic Church? Jesus Christ created Catholic Church. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ gave us the church as a bark against the storm. He knew that, look, once I ascend back to the Father, it's it's going to get rough for you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys are kind of jerks, and it's going to be a problem. You guys are going to fight amongst yourselves. You're going to need somebody and something to keep it all together. Mm-hmm. And for 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has done that. I don't think there's a better proof for the Catholic Church than the fact that us terrible people are in it and it's still going, right? I mean, we and have terrible not priests proof. like you, terrible laymen like us, <laughs> terrible producers like Howard, terrible. bad popes. Howard's a good producer. <sighs> the essence of goodness. <laughs> anyway. No, it's it, it's true. You know, like the wisdom of God that has held together the church in every storm, <laughs> in every generation despite our own passions, our own selfishness, our own agendas and and the political Wars. attack from the outside or the inside, yeah. whatever it may be, like the church is held together because it was founded by Jesus Christ and he promised promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> and and we have a sacramental church that holds us together by his order, by his design. And and that order is guiding us to come to know love and serve the person of Jesus Christ, to love our neighbor as he taught us. 
And when we when we see Jesus fully revealed through these seven different, you know, qualitative understandings of who Jesus is as merciful, as human, as divine, as manly, obedient, good, and finally wise, like wisdom revealed, it, that wisdom is the greatest treasure on earth. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, we have the church because of him, and we are able to know Christ through the church. We are able to preserve tradition and scripture and the sacraments and the, the grace passed down through the apostles. And, Divine revelation. And, and dispensed through priests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have these good things that we can be obedient to, that we can learn to be merciful, that we can understand the human and divine nature of God, that we can be fully manly or fully feminine, because the church has preserved these things for us. The church truly is, you know, that ship in the storm. And it's one of the, you know, that that gift from Christ to to his people is, that's good. It's a good thing. And he's espoused the church. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's truly good that that you join us each and every week. We share our love with you because it's our love for Christ. And our love for Christ is shown in the way that we live and in a communal way and constantly reaching out and supporting one another. So a big shout out again to our patrons who support the show. A big shout out to all those who are subscribed and follow each week and continue to share the good news of our Catholic faith. What a joy to celebrate that faith and to celebrate the love of Christ together. We hope that you have a beautiful week this week and we'll see you next week.